You could be writing the book that changes your life. Brandon Sanderson. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. Our bonus episode today is another in our series about pearls from the masters. And we chose my favorite author because Lee knows that I can talk forever about Brandon Sanderson, his writing, and his writing advice. So I'll see you next week. (laughs) It also helps that he himself has done a lot of work towards giving advice to new writers. He is an English professor at Brigham Young University and has a series of YouTube videos of his lectures. So if you really want to learn more from Brandon Sanderson outside of this episode, listen to us and then go to YouTube Look those up. They are very great. I've listened to them. A lot of what I know about his advice comes in the form of world building. That's how we've spoken about it in the podcast before. His characters are fantastic. His research is great. His use of beta readers is unparalleled. But the world building aspects of his universes slash universe are really what keep his fans excited about going back for book after book after book. If you're a fantasy author or a sci-fi author, a lot of these quotes will apply really well to you. But don't discount them just because you share a different target audience. They are very good bits of advice just overall. And maybe I'm just saying that because I love Brandon Sanderson, but that's my opinion. And I think the opener really speaks well to that in saying you could be writing the book that changes your life. I would say Every book that I've written has changed me in so many ways. And that goes to some of the authors that we've discussed this month that say things like, write to understand, write to yourself. And our own quote that we share at the end of every episode, write selfishly, whether or not we change the world or make a lot of money, if you write something that means something to you, then it changes your life even in minuscule ways. Another trend that we've seen throughout the month, Neil Gaiman said it, Lee Child said it, Tolkien Lewis said it, novels aren't just happy escapes. They are slivers of people's souls nailed to the pages, dripping ink from veins of wood pulp. Reading the right one at the right time can make all the difference. So all the other authors talked about how There's a little bit of escapism in writing fantasy, in reading fantasy. But as Sanderson says here, it is so much more than that. Just like writing can change a life, reading can change a life. If we write something that changes our life, it can be that sliver of our soul that makes the difference for someone else. I feel like this is really represented in his Stormlight Archive series, where he has the characters that are dealing with deep mental health issues, that people who read them, who don't experience that, are changed because they start to understand that thought process. Or if they do experience that, they feel that deep personal connection that they otherwise won't have in most fiction. Yeah, having your character be happy with their circumstances, I think makes them a little deranged. And not realistic. A lot of his characters bring in the reality behind such absurd situations. The book of his that I've read, the main character had the voice of her dead brother in the back of her mind 
as she's encountering these scenarios, this voice telling her to be careful, not trust these people, to go her own way. There is a reality to those dark thoughts that go through your head, even if they have someone else's voice attached. This next quote is really good for especially new authors. Nothing will train you to write better as a writer than working on your next book. No amount of advice, no amount of training, no amount of schooling can teach you truly how to be a better writer if you aren't writing. We appreciate you, our listeners, endeavors to become better authors and learning from whatever wisdom we manage to glean and are able to share. But you writing will propel you forward in your skill far more than we could. This next quote travels with a lot of the other quotes we've heard so far this month, and it is, it is very important to be reading as well as writing. A doctor is not going to ignore new surgery practices. He said this in a couple of different ways in things that I've seen of his. If you aren't reading what's coming out in your genre, what's new, what's modern, then you're going to be using old things your habits, your influences are going to be very old. If all you've read is Tolkien and you try to write a fantasy novel, it's probably not going to be good because while Tolkien's world is really good, his writing is old. Don't expect to be the next Harry Potter if you're writing like Dickens. Yes. So his advice in this is to be reading constantly new books things in your genre. Learn what's happening now, just like a doctor keeps up with new surgery practices. Because trust me, you don't want a doctor from the 1500s doing an amputation on you. This next one I'm going to read because I feel it. And uh, this is one of those places I disagree. I am a writer who works from an outline. What I generally do when I build an outline is I find my focal important scenes And I build them in my head, and I don't write them yet, but I build towards them. That's beautifully sums up my entire writing process. I put together ideas and thoughts and, oh, this would be cool, that would be cool. But I have something I'm always writing toward. This next scene that I write when my sisters recollide is going to be a disaster. And I need to make sure this information is known on this side and this much is known on this side. The more I can build toward that moment, the better that moment is going to be when we pay off. From a panzer's point of view, this idea can still apply. Whether or not you outline, if you have an idea of where your story is going, that will help you build the middle part of your book because that is one of the biggest struggles. Me personally as a panzer, I know where I want to start and I know where I want to end. But the middle bit is the hardest part. So the more that I've developed the ending and how exactly that's going to go, whether or not I outline it, will help me so much more in that middle process. Quick note, next month, February, we are talking about writing prompts for Act 2 in your book, things to help keep things moving. So if what Lee just said really resonates with you, stay tuned. We have a lot more coming on that particular topic. The next segment is not necessarily a quote, but advice from Brandon Sanderson about how to write your first novel. 
He released a YouTube video at the beginning of NaNoWriMo 2020 and gave five suggestions for how to get started and how to write your first novel and in that process of trying to hit the 50,000 words. So we're going to just break down step by step the basics of what he suggested, those five tips. Also, in our landing page for this episode, we will include a link to that if you want to watch it directly. The first tip is one I really like and I wish so many people didn't fight against. That tip is to borrow your structure. He explains that especially if you're writing your first novel, find something that you like and use it. He said, quote, can I boil this down to its fundamental structure, then rebuild that structure with a new set of characters and a new problem to solve and a new character arc that is my own? That is such good advice. Say you really, really like the movie Ocean's Eleven and you like that heist structure. You can take that structure, boil it down and create a whole new scenario that is completely different, but based on something you know and you're familiar with. Another thing you can do in rebuilding that structure is to shift your setting or shift your genre a little bit. Well, I want to have a Western-style TV show that has like train jobs and has the main character and his little crew of people. There's the, the saloon girl who travels with him. But I want it in outer space. And that's how you get Firefly. So you take these ideas that are fundamental toward one genre and apply it to a different one. It creates an interesting world, an interesting take, and often something that you haven't seen anywhere else on the bookshelf. His next suggestion was begin with a monologue, even if your story isn't going to be first person point of view. And this isn't a thing that stays in your book. You don't have to keep it, and it's actually advised to not keep it. But if you're doing a monologue from your main character's perspective, it will help you know the character. I feel like this applies more to plotters than to pantsers. Pantsers will discover their character along the way and do the Neil Gaiman thing of make it look like you knew what you were talking about during the second draft. This is more of a plotter technique of, okay, this is how I develop my character before we get started with the book. One thing that author Dan Wells does is he'll take and kind of interview his character and say, in five pages, what does this character want me to know about themselves? And try to write in five pages everything that that character would say. If you're looking for a sample character interview, we did an episode in May 2020 about that. You can check that out, pull from it, steal from it, do whatever you need to to help develop your character. The third tip really connects with that character interview idea and helps you develop the plot points that you need in your book. You just suggest asking yourself four different questions. What does my character want? What do they need? How are those two things different? And why can't they have either one? About this, Sanderson said, you want the story to be personal to your viewpoint character. You want to be picking the viewpoint character who is either changing the most, having the most conflict in their life, or who is actively working on getting what they want the most. 
These are good ways to choose who the protagonist of your story might be. I think that's an interesting question to ask yourself because often when starting a story, I don't always have all of the point of view characters picked out because I write from several points of view, but I always kind of know who the main character is. I'll meet them and discover more about them as I write, but it's never been a question of should this other character be the main character instead. And I really like this when choosing the point of view characters because in the last Sanderson book that I read, Rhythm of War, we didn't see the viewpoint of a couple of the characters that I was really excited to see most often. But I also understood that they weren't really doing anything at the time. So having viewpoints from them, though it would have been nice because I want to see their relationship more, it would have also been incredibly boring and pointless to a book that's already 400 plus thousand words. So when you understand what your character wants, what they need, how they're different, and why they can't have either one, that can help you find those drives in the story of what they're working towards and what they're doing to get there. A lot of this is about your character's internal conflict, not necessarily their external conflict. This next section talks more about what's happening outside of their heads, which is also important to the plot. It's that you need to choose the type of progress. There are different kinds of progressions in a story. You can have a travelogue like Lord of the Rings, where they need to get from the Shire to Mount Doom and toss the ring in. So their progress is how far along they are on the map. In a mystery, it's clue collection. What do we know about the suspect? What do we know in this whodunit that helps us figure out where we are at the end? This is one of those things that, when plotting your novel, will help you strengthen the center, the act two part of your story. And one thing he says about that is make sure you're signposting the right kind of progress that's being made. So if you want the main plot to be one thing, your signposts, your clues that they're making progress need to be centered on that. So if you're writing a mystery novel, trying to figure out who's tormenting your main character and all of your progress is happening in the romance category, we're starting to feel less like it's a cat and mouse and more about romance. Yeah, you're no longer writing a mystery, you're writing a romance novel. So it's finding that balance. And he shared a couple of really good quotes in this idea of progress and sharing that. Stories are built from three ideas. Promise, progress toward that promise, and a payoff of that promise. So that's kind of how you can structure, and this is a really good idea for your three-act system. Your act one is the promise. What are they working towards? Act two is the progress towards that promise. And act three is the payoff. The next thing he said, things become page turners because we can watch progress toward a goal. If there isn't progress, if there aren't those signposts, your readers are going to get bored. That doesn't mean don't write it, especially in the first draft. But don't get too attached because your editor, if they're worth their salt, will tell you this isn't progress. This isn't moving the story forward. We're going to set it aside. We're taking this out of the story. 
And if you're wondering whether or not something progresses a story, this next quote is a really good way to figure out whether or not you're making progress. You want always in your story to be moving in a direction, mostly forward, sometimes backward. So your progress doesn't always have to be forward progress. This is actually really good at the end of Act 2 to have that major failure, that major thing that puts them back a few steps in their goal. We've spoken about the yes but a couple of times. That's one of those that brings you forward and backward at the same time. The final suggestion is to prime your mind. We talked about this in the Agatha Christie episode a few episodes ago when she said that the best time to plan a book is while you're doing the dishes. Brandon Sanderson says that priming your mind, thinking about it when you can't be writing, is the best way to help you write the novel, help you get through, especially like this, where he was talking about NaNoWriMo, get it so that when you do have the time to sit and write, you have something to write about. The quote in this is, you will be surprised at how quickly you write a novel if you are able to dedicate some brain space to it. I love that quote. Yes. You have to dedicate brain space to writing a novel if you're going to finish it when you're not actually writing. I think this also helps you be excited about it and not dread sitting at the keyboard. Like, oh, now I have to do all this extra homework that I've imposed on myself of writing 1667 words a day. It's a, oh, now I know what needs to happen next. And it's just a matter of bleeding onto the page. So again, we'll have a link to this video in our landing page for this website. You can also look at his other videos and his website to get more advice like this. But we're going to go ahead and continue on with some more quotes from him about writing. Remember that your job as a practicing writer is to remember it's never going to be perfect on your first pass. I feel like we've heard this one before. Yeah, I think uh, almost every single author we've covered this month has talked about this. (laughs) Yes. Having that expectation of perfection the first time around is what stops you from writing. Because this isn't comparing to my Brandon Sanderson novel on the bookshelf. That expectation never helps. I've never seen somebody go, it was great and perfect the first time and I never had to make any changes. And be accurate in that statement. I love that Brandon Sanderson practices what he preaches here. He actually has put on his website the beginnings of failed drafts of his YA sci-fi Skyward. And you can look and read and just see his first failed attempts. That, yes, he's right, it's not going to be perfect on your first pass, or even your second, or even your third. I don't recommend doing this for you as an author, unless you have a very specific kind of fandom. It can be very humiliating, and you can just add to your pressure on that first round, which is the exact opposite of what we're trying to do here. But he is a teacher, So this is how he is teaching and, like you said, practicing what he preaches. And he didn't release that before he released the book. He released that a while after he released the book. This next one is one that we have mentioned before when we're talking about magic and technology and how you build a magic system. When I write my books, actually, I'm known for very logical rule-based magic systems. I write with one foot in fantasy and one foot in science fiction. I actually ended up talking with somebody who was looking for a new sci-fi author to start reading. 
And I ended up recommending Brandon Sanderson because he has this half fantasy, half sci-fi, this balance between the two that is beautiful and almost unheard of. And along with that is his next quote. Magic works best for me when it aligns with scientific principles. This is very apparent in all of his magic systems. So if you are trying to create a magic system and you're struggling, think about bits of science that interest you and how you can twist that and make it magic instead of science. I've always taken kind of the wish fulfillment, the petty wish fulfillment approach to superpowers where it would be nice if I could push this car into the slow lane. Or it would be really nice if I could control how quickly my hair grows. These random little things in life that you just get annoyed at because that's how the laws of physics work. That's the seed that becomes your magic system. I know we've talked about it before, but this is another set of really good writing advice for your magic systems. And it's the Sanderson's Laws of Magic. Law number one. The author's ability to resolve conflicts in a satisfying way with magic is directly proportional to how the reader understands said magic. I've always been in the camp of magic should make things more difficult and not solve problems. Your characters have to be the ones solving the problems. But most of my magic systems are fairly loosey-goosey and fluid. If you have a vague or what's called a soft magic system, then your characters are the ones that need to get them out of the situations that the magic gets them into. This is true for a lot of your modern day or sci-fi writers as well. Magic and technology in a lot of these cases go hand in hand. If I need to break into the Pentagon and I have a hacker who just goes, Jeff, and we're in, then it's not terribly satisfying. But if it has a voice print code on it, so the main character has to go out and capture this person saying these four words in conversation, there's work that needs to happen along with the magic, then it feels like an accomplishment to get in. They've made progress toward your goal. The next law is weaknesses are more interesting than powers. We've never said that on the podcast before. No, never. (laughs) I think we had an entire episode about how weaknesses are better than strengths. We've had a couple, actually, because we had a designing characters one where we talked about strengths and flaws. And then we had the whole month about designing characters last May had some similar concepts. Weaknesses are more interesting than powers because we can relate to weaknesses. Having someone who can spontaneously create fire. Okay, I can't relate to that at all. Someone who has this power, but knows that if they say or do the wrong thing, they could hurt somebody. That's something I can relate to. This really links to that first one of satisfying resolutions to conflict. If a character is all powerful and they win, I don't really care. But if they have all of these weaknesses that they have had to fight through and struggle with, and really push to win, that's when I'm interested. That is when I care. In a certain TV show called The Boys that I've been watching, one of the characters specializes in finding weaknesses in superheroes. That's his role in the story, 
is he finds somebody and goes, okay, this is how we kill this particular superhero. And it's interesting to see him solve problems that way. One of the most powerful characters has a tree nut allergy and they take him out with like an almond joy. And it's hilarious. It's the whole thing is over the top and campy and dark and it's great. But these strange weaknesses are far more interesting than the superpowers that the characters have. The third law is expand, don't add. This especially goes for people who are concerned about word count. Don't create a whole other plot line. Go deeper with the concepts that you already have. There's more you can do with this concept. You can expand this fight with the mermaid and get out of the ship and almost drown in the water. Make things deeper more than just adding another fight with a different mermaid. Just like Isaac Asimov has a zero-width law of robotics, Sanderson's zero-width law of magic is air on the side of awesome. Yes, please. If you aren't writing a magic system that is awesome, why are you writing a magic system? So much of the fun of having a magic system is that it's just darn cool. This next one, for a fantasy author who tells about strange new worlds and fascinating stories and interesting characters, this next one is fairly philosophical. The purpose of a storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to give you questions to think upon. I think a lot of that goes back to aligning with the character and discovering new things with them and discovering new things in them. Being entertained, having someone tell me a story is not to be preached at. Yes, I'm still going to learn in both categories but I don't want to be told how to think. I love the idea of even in fiction, even in fantasy, you can give readers things to think about, things that will keep their mind on your book outside of reading it. So this next quote is actually from one of his books, Alcatraz vs. the Evil Librarians. It's a fun fun YA series that is absolutely hilarious, and I just adore this quote from it. It is a writer's greatest pleasure to hear that someone was kept up until the unholy hours of the morning reading one of their books. It goes back to authors being terrible people who delight in the suffering of others. (laughs) There is definitely a little bit of vicarious pleasure in tormenting characters, but it's an interesting bullseye to aim at as far as being an author to keep your readers up reading your book something where it's not easy to set down but instead something that they consume in one sitting as much as possible that goes back to what he said about a story being a page turner it is that bit that keeps driving if your characters are progressing if the story is progressing and you give them those little bits that they want to keep reading then they're going to stay up until the unholy hours of the morning because they can't put your book down. But that won't happen if you aren't signposting progress, if you aren't formatting the chapters in a way that it doesn't give them an excuse to put the book down. You see often in writers' forums people asking, 
what would be the mark of success as an author for you? Is it just publishing a book? Just having that title of being a published author? Being somebody's favorite author? Being able to make a living off of writing and nothing else? What is this mark of success? In Sanderson's world, keeping somebody up at night so they have to finish his book. Nothing makes me happier when people talk to me about my book that I released than hearing that they read it in a day. Yes, it's an easy read, but the fact that they read it in a day tells me that they were interested enough to not do other things that they probably should have been doing. I had a member of our writing club tell me once that she read through three quarters of one of my books until she just had to go to, I think she had to go to sleep because she had school the next day. But she woke up early before her alarm to finish it. And that just makes you feel so good that they stayed up late and woke up early in order to finish it because they were that invested. One of the things we do in the writing club is we mark where we got distracted, where we set it down to use the restroom, where we set it down to cook dinner, whatever. And the fewer of those marks you get throughout the book, the more successful the book is, at least for me. And one way that you can get to that point is represented in the final quote that we're going to use from Brandon Sanderson. I love to do what I do, so I do work long hours. I think some of this goes back to the be thinking about your book even when you aren't writing. Even for someone who does it professionally, you do have to have the discipline to sit and write and do during certain allotted times, but those times are extra long for him because he's enjoying it. He's loving what he does. And you can tell that not only from his avid fan base, but his enormously long books. I think it was Hemingway who would go to the local pub and drink and write and write and write and just toss the pages on the ground and just keep writing until he felt like he had done enough. And then he would just drink the rest of the day, which makes sense if it's Hemingway. But knowing when you felt like you've written enough, I think is an interesting skill to develop as you mature as an author. But if you love what you do, you're going to keep writing. You're going to enjoy the work, even though it's work. Even when it's hard, even when you run into those problems, you still enjoy the process. And the only way you can really enjoy that is if you write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 